You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Hey friends, today I'm going to be reading from Acts. It's going to be Acts 1, 1 through 11, and this is the CSB version. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. When he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Um, I would like to just pray now. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you that we still have ways that we can stay in community and hear your word. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that Josh is able to preach to us in this new um, in this new way. God, I just want to pray a blessing over Josh uh, as he preaches your word. God, let Josh be able to set himself aside and only speak what you desire him to speak. Lord, let our hearts be... Uh, ready to receive your word and give us ears to hear it in new and exciting and fresh ways. Lord, thank you for this day. I pray that we are all healthy and happy and have a great week ahead of us. Amen. Hey, good morning. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Refuge. Uh, man, if this is your first time, you don't know me, welcome. If this you call this home, welcome. I'm so glad that you know, you're joining us today. Thank you so much. Uh, man, I'm really excited uh, about today because we're actually starting a new series today, a new series in the book of Acts called Acts, A Movement for the Modern World. Uh, man, I'm excited for a couple reasons to be in Acts. One, because it is just an insanely fun book. It is a page turner. It's a riveting. And so I'm really praying that we enjoy the book uh, from that perspective. Uh, but maybe even more so than that, actually more so than that, uh, I'm also excited uh, because of what the, ba the, the book of Acts actually offers us. Uh, the book of Acts offers us a microscopic view into the DNA of the church, uh, why it exists, how it exists. Uh, and man, it really shows us these unchangeable, beautiful characteristics of the church that have existed since uh, the resurrection of Jesus and that we're called to, 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 to show even now uh, in our current age. Um, now, some of you guys might be asking the question, why is this important? 
Uh, why is this even important? Well, man, I'm glad you asked. Thank you so much. Uh, it's important for a couple of reasons. One, man, we are in a historic moment. Uh, this is, I mean, a once-in-a-lifetime event with COVID. Think about how huge this is. Uh, think about it. Man, on the other side uh, of this event, what other thing in your life is going to allow you to instantaneously connect with anybody across the world? Whether it's in Asia, Europe, Africa, North America, South America, doesn't matter. You'll be able to look at anybody, age permitting, and say, hey, what were you doing? Where were you during COVID? That's how big this event is. And the thing is, with big events, we can oftentimes take those big narratives and turn them into the center of our own lives, pulling sources and resources, whether it be our faith or other people, banding together with everyone and saying, hey, let's navigate and get over this together. And man, in a lot of ways, I would want to say that there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would say that's what we've been doing over the past four weeks. If you've been with us for the past four weeks, we've been talking a lot uh, about faith and really, really using faith as a means of support so that we can navigate through this time well. Yet Luke, the author of Acts, actually offers us a bit of a different view in terms of, of what life looks like. Uh, specifically this, uh, so Luke invites us into the view of a people who define themselves by and through the mission of God for his people. Now, now think about what that means. And it's critical because man, this is kind of like a revolutionary thought. One of them is, is this disposition where we see COVID as this massive thing and we really are, are calling on God and, and just hoping that he'll help us navigate it while the other group uh, who sees COVID now as a speed bump through which God is going to plow and destroy on his way to advancing and ultimately finishing his mission uh, of, of, of creating, of redeeming, restoring uh, and healing his people. Now, now think about the difference between those two things. One is rooted uh, in fear and has this sense of doubt when it comes to God's power, while one is rooted uh, in, in hope, believing in God's power. And, and so I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, man, the book of Acts will, will allow us to reclaim the narrative of this season rather than making COVID the emphasis of what's happening in our lives, allowing us to refocus, whether it's COVID or whether it's anything else, to refocus our lives on the narrative of God's mission for us as his people. But it's also important because, friends, the best soldiers have the best war stories. What I didn't say is the best soldiers are the ones who have been to war before, because that's not always the case. But rather, what I'm saying is that the book of Acts gives us a first, uh, a front seat ticket uh, to seeing the story of the church as it shows people engaging and, and encountering pain and doubt and fear. Uh, it, it really, a lot of the same things that we're experiencing now. Yet, when we read the stories of the past, especially the stories of the church here in Acts, we are given this amazing opportunity uh, to, to, to understand the depths of what God is doing uh, and what he has been doing, what he will continue to do, filling us with confidence. So overall, I am praying that the book of Acts gives us a shot of encouragement, uh, a missional shot, uh, a missional boost uh, to help us navigate this season, absolutely, but more than that, to help us reclaim the narrative 
narrative of mission uh, and really partake with God in advancing uh, his, his mission on the earth. Today, we're going to get started uh, in this uh, series by, by jumping in right in Acts 1. But let me, let me tell you, it is not like a, like a, like a gentle entry. Man, man, Acts 1, Luke shoots us straight into the story, straight into the mission, straight into the reality uh, of our call. And he does it in three specific ways, right? He, he, or in one way, but with three specific subjects. He introduces us to the reality that there is a king, that that king has a kingdom, and that those who are part of that kingdom have a mission. And that's uh, the title for today's sermon, uh, The King, the Kingdom, and the Mission. And so we're going to go ahead and jump right in uh, to chapter 1, verse 1, uh, where Luke's kind of just jumping straight into the story. So let's go ahead and join him. Uh, verse 1 says, I wrote the narrative, Theophilus, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles uh, he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Uh, hey, first question a lot of you guys might be asking, if you haven't caught me mentioning already, is who is I? Who is I in this I wrote the first narrative? Uh, well, well, it's actually the, the, the disciple Luke. Uh, we might know him from his previous work, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and what's actually really interesting is, is Acts is actually a continuation of that first book. Now, we don't know a ton about Luke, but what we do know is that, one, he was a disciple. He loved the Lord. He was also a physician. He had a great relationship with Paul. And also, he was a prolific writer. Word for word, no one contributed more to the New Testament than Luke, not even Paul. And so although he's not a name that we may throw around that often, man, he's a man that has influenced and shaped our faith more than you could possibly imagine. In this story, he's writing to Theophilus. And as little as we know about Luke, we know maybe even less about Theophilus. But there are some really, really interesting theories. Uh, some people think that maybe Theophilus was a person that bankrolled Luke to go do all of his research. Uh, some people believe that, that Theophilus was a Roman uh, officer. Uh, other people believe that, man, this one's really interesting, that, that maybe the, the name Theophilus was just a placeholder for anybody that wanted to read and learn about Jesus because Theophilus is a combination of two words that mean a lover of God. But the most compelling theory I think I've read is that maybe Theophilus is a new believer uh, to whom Luke is pinning this grand story uh, uh, of what Jesus has done uh, while he was alive in his earthly ministry and what he's continuing to do in his resurrection. Now, now notice that I said in his resurrection, what he's continuing to do in his resurrection, because above and beyond anything else, Luke has a very specific point that he wants to make in these first three verses, that one, he wants to lay the foundation well for where we're going to go. And the point is actually related to the king, specifically the resurrected king. Take a look at verse 3. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, Right from the get-go, the point Luke wants Theophilus and by the Holy Spirit us to understand is that the king is alive. The king is alive. And not like, not like ideologically alive. 
Not like not like he, he's alive in spirit. He, he's a ghost, but we carry his teachings uh, inside of us as we carry on his mission. No, like, like there was a very real Jesus. That very real Jesus experienced a very real death on a very real cross. He was in a very real tomb, but his real body is now resurrected and he is uh, alive. He's alive. The king is risen. He is alive. And not only is he, is he alive, but he is at work. The king is alive and he's at work. Look back at verses 1 and 2. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And so the first narrative, meaning Luke, Acts is a continuation, almost like a sequel to the book of Luke. So that first book, Luke, was, was to, 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 to communicate all that Jesus began to do and teach, which means that the book we're in now is actually about what Jesus continues to do and teach. You see, the work that Jesus is going to be doing uh, is going to be through his people who are now empowered by his spirit in them. So Jesus, the king, is alive and he is at work. Man, this should encourage us, friends, because right now I recognize that it is easy to be confronted with the bigness of things like COVID. But even moving past this, there will be some of us that are confronted with news about things like sickness, another C word, not COVID, but maybe cancer. Now, or some of us are confronted with relational strife, loneliness, heartache. We live in a broken world and it is encouraging for right off the bat to, for Luke to look at us and let us know that there is a king, he is alive and he is at work. He he is working in your, your hardship. He's working in the loneliness. He's working in the sickness. He uh, is, is working all things to the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Here is a king and he is alive and he is at work. But what, Paul's, uh, what, what, Paul, what Luke is going to help us understand is that in order to fully benefit from the king's life, we have to be a part of the king's kingdom. And that kingdom isn't quite what you may be expecting. It's definitely not what the disciples were expecting. Check this out. We're going to start at verse 4 here. While he was with them, uh, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? You see, for the disciples, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God was inseparable from the kingdom of Israel. In their mind, they saw Jesus as this almost like David from the Old Testament-like figure who was waiting in the wings but was going to assume the throne. And when he did, he was going to fight back the enemies of God's people and he was going to restore uh, Israel to a place of prominence. Yet Jesus' view of his kingdom was so much greater, even as great as that is, was so much greater, so much deeper, so much deeper than the view that the disciples had. Yes, there was going to be a time when God's kingdom, or there will be a time when God's kingdom is established in power and glory and honor. Yet the heart of God's kingdom, the heart of our king's kingdom is actually more similar to John the Baptist's ministry than it is the empires of Rome. Check out Verse 4, going back up, uh, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, 
you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. You see, what, what Jesus wanted them to understand is that his kingdom, uh, man, at this moment didn't look like power and swords and might, but rather looked like humility and confession. Uh, John the Baptist stood in the wilderness and invited the people of Israel to come and repent of their sins, confess uh, their sin before God, submit themselves under uh, the wisdom and grace and mercy of the Lord, believe and be baptized into water. Similarly, Jesus is saying that his kingdom uh, does not look like the empires of Rome with their Pax Romana, with this idea that they would enslave people, hang them, uh, uh, crucify them in order to keep the peace, but rather his kingdom calls in humility from not just Israel, not just Rome, but across the world to approach him in his grace and in his goodness, uh, confessing their sins, submitting themselves under uh, the lordship of Jesus, believing in the hope that he had brought through his crucifixion and through his resurrection. And they would not be baptized in water, but rather we as his king, uh, as his citizens, his kingdom citizens would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And friends, we would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, now, as your pastor, one of the things that crossed my mind uh, as I was preparing this this week was the reality that making this point about the Holy Spirit being almost like the, the reward um, for coming to the kingdom and, and, and confessing and baptizing and... and, and uh, and, and uh, repenting and believing that this baptism of the Holy Spirit honestly can be a little bit of a weird statement. And if we're going to be honest, a lot of us hear this and we honestly have the feeling that, man, I, I think I would prefer the, the powers in the empire of Rome. But, uh, but, man, there's something beautiful here, friends. Because deep down inside for each one of us, those moments where we feel hopeless... And we approach the Lord and he stirs up hope inside of us. Those moments where we're believing lies about ourselves and, and, and we approach the Lord and he wipes away the lies with truth. The moment uh, that we're feeling depression and it and enters joy. The reason uh, that weeping gives way to joy and that crying gives way to hope in the morning, that darkness gives way to light is because there is a God and he's at work and he's at work through his spirit alive in us. In fact, it makes me think about when, when the reality that there was a time when, man, I was broken and dead in sin, unable to approach the goodness of God. And it was God's spirit that awoke me, that quickened me back to life. Friend, it is a joy to know that there is a king who establishes his kingdom, not with the fleeting pleasures that glory uh, of glory that comes through a sword, but rather the eternal peace that comes from the, the eternal king uh, that has marked us and, and with his promise uh, through the Holy Spirit alive in our hearts. Friend, that is a joyful thing. It is a joyful thing. You have the Holy Spirit.
Spirit as a mark of God's uh, uh, as a mark of God's faithful promise to redeem and to restore and to fully heal. That there is a healing that has happened now, but because His Spirit is a seal on you, He has promised through His Spirit to finish His work in eternity, bringing us full hope, full gladness, full joy. The Holy Spirit uh, is is really the means by which we enjoy the fullness of His kingdom. And so, friends, it is amazing that He would say, "My kingdom." looks more like the ministry of John the Baptist, but except you are baptized into the beauty and power of my spirit at work in you. Come on. But that kingdom, if it's big enough that it would reign in our lives and bring us hope and, and it, would, it, would, it would have the spirit at work in our hearts and at work in our lives, that means it's too big to be contained into, into only so many people. It has to keep going. It has to keep expanding. And if Jesus is going to be the king of the world, then the world needs to know that his kingdom has come, that his kingdom is here. That they, in a sense, he is reigning over the hearts of men now. And that's where our mission comes into play. We know the king. And now we have seen how he's establishing his kingdom. But for those of us that are a part of his kingdom, there is a very real mission that we are called to participate and partake in. Check this out. Jump back in with me to verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. That's in response to the question, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel this time? It's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus didn't exactly look at them and say, hey, no, right? Rather, what he wanted them to understand uh, is that, man, it's not for you to know the times and periods, meaning it's not your job to establish the kingdom in its fullness. Hear this. There will be a day and a time where the kingdom of God is established on earth in the fullness of its power and its might, where every tongue, every knee will bow to God in his uh, goodness and in his power and confess that he is Lord and that he is God. What Jesus wanted his disciples to know is that you will not be the one doing that. That is something that God the Father knows in his wisdom that he set in his time on his timeline. Yet the reality is that same kingdom that will be established in power has very much so began to be established on earth right now. It happened when you felt the goodness of God engulf your heart. When you were moved to give your life to a man, that was the moment that his kingdom invaded your heart. That there is a king alive on earth and your role, though it is not to establish the kingdom and all of its power, is to herald the good news that there is a king who will establish 
the kingdom of his goodness, grace, healing, and hope in the world. That's why after telling them, hey, it's not for you to know, he jumps back in and lets them know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Friends, we are called to be a witness that there is a king and he has established his throne and he is reigning and establishing his kingdom on earth. And in the ancient world, when a new emperor or a new king was going to be established, man, they couldn't send a text message. There was no radio. Right, right. I know that all of us are going through COVID right now. So I know that you guys like me are getting blown up with with the notifications telling us every second that something new happens. There was no push notifications during this time. That didn't happen. Their iPhone didn't glow up in the middle of the night. Let them know what happened. When someone needed to, to get a message out, specifically when a new king was being inaugurated, when, his take, when he was taking his throne in the kingdom, they got a group of people together, gave them the good news, and then sent them into the country, into the countryside, into the cities, into the towns, into the, the farms, to declare the good news that the king was on the throne. And the reality was they had to do it quickly. Because if not, little, little kings would start sprouting up in all these different cities, in all these different places. Likewise, friends, we have been called by the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is reigning in grace and in mercy. A grace that was bought by his own blood on the cross and a victory that was won for us in his resurrection, conquering sin and conquering death. And we have been charged by God to take the good news of the kingdom that there is a king and that he is alive, and that he is at work, and that he brings hope to the hopeless and joy to the joyless, and he makes the dead come alive, and he makes the blind see. We are charged with the ability to go out and herald the message that the king is here, that the king is enthroned, that the king is crowned, and we have the ability to topple over all those small kings, small kings of uh, uh, small, small idols that try to take their place in our hearts and promise joy but leave us joyless and promise hope but leave us hopeless, to topple over those kings and herald and declare that there's a new king who is, who is, who is claiming your heart through his goodness and through his hope and through his love. That's what we have the ability to to do, friend. That's what we're called to do. We are witnesses. We are heralds to the king of the world. Let's go. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm a little charged up. Woo. I absolutely love uh, the way that N.T. Wright, uh, the theological professor and certified genius, uh, discusses this point in his commentary on Acts. He says it like this. Well, in one sense, it has already begun, talking about the, the, the kingdom being established. Jesus is saying, because in my own death and resurrection, I have already been exalted as Israel's representative. In another sense, it is yet to happen because we, will, we still await the time when the whole world is visibly and clearly living under God's just and healing rule. But we are now living in between those two points. And you must be my witness from here to the ends of the world. The apostles are to go out as heralds, not of someone who may become king at some point in time, but of the one who has already been appointed and enthroned. Friends, let me ask you a very, very important question. Do you feel 
like a witness? Do you see yourself as a herald from the king? Because you have to in order to do it. Um, it, it, thinking about this made me think about the movie Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, it, it's an old Orlando Bloom movie. I think Edward Norton might have been in it. When I brought it up to my wife, she was like, ah, oh, man, no one's going to know what movie that is, but I have faith in you. I believe that you're going to know Kingdom of Heaven. In fact, I believe that you're like, oh, yeah, Kingdom of Heaven right now at your home. I believe in you. But if you don't know it, and you're disappointing me drastically right now that you don't, it's a movie about... Uh, <laughs> it's a movie about... Uh, it, during, set during the time of the Crusades, and Orlando Bloom is actually an English knight that is stationed there in Jerusalem uh, with other knights and with the king, uh, and they're trying to defend the fortress of Jerusalem against uh, oncoming Muslim invaders. And near the end of the movie, spoiler alert, uh, while every other knight has deserted them uh, and, and they are facing impending doom from the hordes and hordes and hordes of Muslim, uh, of Muslim armies that are about to, to invade uh, Jerusalem, uh, surrounded by a group of farmers and peasants shaking in their boots, scared for their life, Orlando Bloom as a knight pulls out his sword and begins knighting them one by one knighting them, telling each one of them, you're a knight, you're a knight, you're a knight. And finally, this, this priest, scared out of his mind, yells at Orlando Bloom and says, does making you a knight make you fight better? And he calmly looks at the priest and simply says, yes. And it's meant to be a comedic break in the movie, but there's truth to what he's saying. One moment they were farmers, peasants, beggars, who were facing a reality of soldiers coming to, to destroy them, to conquer their land. The next minute, they were charged by the king. They were charged by the kingdom. They were given, uh, they were fighting for God, feeling the weight of their cause was going to make the sword feel like a weapon now. No longer was the, 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 the hoe or the, or, or, or the rake uh, their weapon of choice, but now as a knight, their sword was meant to be in their right hand. Man, there is a, a, a truth to, to, to the fact that they see themselves differently and therefore they act differently. Man, friend, the same is true with being a witness and a herald of the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as being charged by the king of kings with the task of going and telling the world about the good news that there is a resurrected living king, that he is at work, that he is bringing his kingdom to earth, that he is establishing his kingdom in the hearts of men, that he's defeated death and sin and is inaugurating a kingdom of life and hope. Do you see yourself that way, friend? Do you see yourself like that? Let me encourage you, if you don't, if you don't, man, I just want to look at you and say, you are a herald of the king of kings. Look at me. I don't care if you're at home. I don't care if you got dogs running around, kids running around. I want you to look at me. By the power and grace and mercy of God, you have been made his and his alone, defeating, uh, defeating and overcoming sin and death. And now, friend, you are a witness and herald to the glory and splendor and beauty of the living king of the world. That's who you are.
Luke's message for us, just in the first few chapters, is, hey, friend, man, go out and do it. And let me tell you, the, the best way, the best way to, to realize that you're a witness, uh, to, the best way to realize that you're a herald, is to go out and herald the good news. It's to go out and be a witness of the resurrection and the power and the grace of Jesus. Man, it's in that simple action that we begin to feel uh, uh, the weight of our call, the weight of our identity, the weight of who we are, the weight of our mission. And, And man, friend, you are empowered by his spirit to do this. Look at every section of our text today. It's all interweaving with the idea that the Holy Spirit is at work in each one of these phases. Think about it. Like, like right in the resurrection now that Jesus and Luke establishes that Jesus is pushing and, and advancing and still at work. It says that he's doing it through his people who have his spirit. Man, that his kingdom is marked by love and grace, by by people being made alive because they are receiving God's spirit. And likewise, man, his mission is accomplished and fulfilled not by sending his people out uh, to do the hard things by themselves, but rather by empowering them with the Holy Spirit. Friend, think about the men and women that were in this group were basic normal men and women. They were fishermen, farmers. They, they They were the most standard people that you could think of. Yet it was this group of men and women in this, in, in, in this near eastern Jewish Palestinian city that believed that God, the living King Jesus, who was at work in the world establishing his kingdom, was going to empower them with his spirit to advance the gospel. That now you and me, from generation to generation, from hard work from what to hard work, from belief that he's empowering us to the next belief that he's empowering us, that you and I are sitting in a living room watching TV, sitting under the word, worshiping God together, friends. Praise God that normal people empowered by the spirit of the living king can go on to do amazing things for his glory and the good of those who we love. People that we haven't even met yet, friends, are going to be changed by the herald of you simply saying that Jesus is alive. And he is alive. And he is at work. And he is healing and redeeming and restoring. You have the call and the mission to go declare that message. To, to, from Whether it be from you to your neighbor and to the ends of the earth, friend. Uh, this is truly... Uh, a message that I hope stirs our heart and affections for Jesus and his mission, uh, his kingdom now during COVID. But it's a very real application moving forward for the rest of our lives. Man, man, we are called to do things right now to advance his mission that some of us find uncomfortable. And the reality is, friend, when COVID is over, you're going to be confronted with, with doing things to advance his mission and message that you find uncomfortable. That's going to be the reality of all of us. Encouragement. You are empowered by his spirit. But also, look at me, hear me. Man, you are also supported by his people. You're supported by us as a church. Um, Over the next few weeks, we're going to work through the book of Acts. Uh, and, and we're going to have moments that spring up where, where we're called to do things, uh, really to advance the mission of the church. 
to advance the mission that God has given us as his people. No, we're not going to do things that put us in danger. I have been a, a huge advocate for us being wise through this entire season. But the reality is we're still called to the mission of God right now, just like we were before. COVID has not stopped that. In fact, COVID, again, is a roadblock that God, that, that, that his people, empowered by his spirit, are going to plow through and destroy on our way to seeing the, the mission of God uh, advanced and ultimately finished. And so we want to support you in any way we can. So over the next few weeks, we're going to have activities that spring up from different sermons, from different chapters. Community groups are going to mobilize in different ways. I want to encourage you. There's going to be moments where something springs up inside you and goes, man, that's not for me. I don't have that gift. I'm scared. Man, friend, listen to me. You have the spirit of God in you. And a community of people empowered by a spirit to support you. We can do it. I'm excited about the next few weeks. I'm excited about this series. I'm excited uh, for what God is going to do in our lives and in our church. But most of all, I'm excited about what God is going to do in the lives of the people that we engage as a result of sitting under the word during this time. Uh, and so this is more than about launching refuge well. This is about advancing the kingdom of God and participating in the mission that we've been given. And so what I want to do uh, to close up our time is simply pray. I want to pray for you. Uh, and then I want to uh, allow us a space to, to respond to the news that there is a king who offers hope and love by letting us worship to a final song. Uh, and after that, I'll go ahead and come back and, and, and close this out and send us into the world. Uh, soldiers, witnesses, heralds uh, for the good king. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, God, that, that through your word and through the heralds that have come before us, then we have come to know the depth of your grace and of your mercy. Not one of us is sitting here watching this movie on a Sunday morning when we could be sleeping in that doesn't, that isn't doing so, uh, being compelled by your goodness and your grace. And so I want to take a second to stop and simply say thank you. God, let the weight of your goodness settle on the heart of each person that's listening. Uh, each person that's hearing these words, let the weight of your goodness as the reigning living king settle on our hearts. Let us treasure the goodness of your kingdom, uh, the reign uh, of our God in, over the hearts of human beings who now have your spirit in us, bringing us hope, bringing us joy, sustaining us and allowing us to persevere forward. God, allow these realities to, to fuel our passion and desire for Jesus, helping us realize that the mission was not accomplished unless passion uh, for the, the king and the message is present. So God, I ask that you would ignite us, ignite us deeply. We love you, we thank you, and pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. message encourages you and strengthens your faith.